Dear Brady, you deserve better, so I'm going away. I don't think I'm a bad person, but I am a bad mother. You're better off without me. Ask the others. I know you'll be loved and looked after. Love, Trudy. P.S. This isn't your fault. It's mine. Goodbye. So welcome to episode 23 of Conversation on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the panel today is Liz. Hello. Hill. Hey. And Sabine. Hi. With episode notes done by Matt, Kata, and myself. So episode 23, the screenplay was done by Mike Kenny. It was directed by Lawrence Wilson, and the episode synopsis will be read out by Sabine. Fed up with the tribe, Trudy and Del depart the mall, leaving only a note behind. Meanwhile, with his eyes on Tysan, Lex confides in Ryan that he's lost interest in Sandra. Elsewhere, Dal and Trudy come upon a friendly group of nomads who've offered their camp as a new home to the disgruntled travelers. Back at the mall, the mall rat's taken a new member after he's caught rooting through Lex's bags. So episode 23 kicks off against a backdrop of memories of the birth. Trudy and Dal proceed to head out of the city, and it's during this time that we discover even more of Dal's talents, including his ability to forage and his promises to teach Trudy how to fish. Um, yeah, from Dr. Dal to Carpenter Dal and now to Farmer Dal, um, does Dal's extensive range of abilities surprise anyone at all? It kind of made me think of episode one, when Dal and Amber are prepared to go live off the land, get out of the city as quickly as they can. And it just made me think that he might have prepared for that with Amber back then. And yeah, I, I thought that's how he knew some of the things he did. Probably read some stuff about it. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I thought it was interesting because it put in uh, down to a different context. And he first mentions wanting to live in the wild. The way Amber responds to him, she kind of talks to him like he's just a city kid with, you know, uh, ideas of grandeur that, you know, he really couldn't live up to. Like, he's not actually prepared for what it would take to live out in the wilderness. And he doesn't really argue the point with her. And yet here you see him and you realize, no, he was quite prepared to live out there. And uh, Amber shouldn't have, um, you know, cut him short on that because he clearly mm -hmm. can do it. And it also makes him more of a renaissance man. Like, at this point, I was like, geez, Dal, what didn't your parents teach you? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's one of the most capable yeah. in the entire mall. Whenever a problem comes up, here's Dal to the rescue in such a pragmatic, practical way. I'm like, is there anything he can't do <laughs> except, you know, get a girl? I almost wonder if he was, like, homeschooled almost. But no, he met Amber at school, didn't he? I don't know. Yeah, and I wouldn't his know. Doctors, so they didn't have yeah, time to homeschool. Exactly. He yeah. wouldn't have been. But he could have gone to, like, homeschool like pod thing like maybe there was someone in the neighborhood who taught a bunch of kids like like amber in a little yeah maybe it was amber i don't know but i i do want to know like did dal's parents have a doomsday bunker even like yeah. it seems like he's got all of that stuff it kind of makes me think because he mentions both his parents were doctors so mm -hmm. they must have learned about the virus and how scary that 
was going to be as one of the first people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I can see them having thought to let Dal dive into information that might be useful for him in the future. Yeah. I just think it's nice how clearly they spent a lot of time together as a family. You know, um, when you think about his parents' profession, you wouldn't think Mm -hmm. they'd have that much time. But everything we've seen from Dal, you know, they their family was a very strong unit. They spent a lot of time together. You know, even in the office is mention of Dal and activity with their son, you know, and the camping was a cute like yeah everything that. He like knows about them everything he knows how to do somebody spent the time with him and taught him and encouraged him and his warm feelings about his family so it just tells you a lot about that where he how he grew up and why he's such a considerate and kind person he came from that kind of background and he he can't consider behaving in any other way because of you know the ideals his parents put upon him so it's just a really cool character moment. Just who is Dal? Where did Dal come from? What was his home life like? And it was a good one. It was a good one. He had a good home life, unlike most of the characters. It was kind of- the virus really screwed Dal. <laughs> yeah, right? He didn't hate his mom and dad. He was going to grow up to be healthy and well-adjusted. <laughs> We're here. Is that all? My feet are killing me. We need to push on off to eating. This place isn't safe. Never felt safe. Well, you're more likely to feel it out here than in the city. Somewhere you can grow food, keep animals. Somewhere you don't always have to watch your back. Well, where do you think? I don't know. It will be there somewhere. What are you doing? Well, if we're looking for a new world, we don't really need a map of the old one, do we? This is Britt. Let's scramble those duck eggs. So as Trudy and Dow leave the city far behind, Trudy appears the most assertive and calm that we've seen her so far. Um, yeah, what do you think of her newfound attitude? Uh, I wasn't surprised. Um, no. For her, the mall has been a very stifling place. She's been very trapped from the moment Bray bought her there. She didn't feel welcome from the moment she got there. And it's, you know, for her in this moment, the mall has just been an oppression. You know, all these bad things have happened to her since she's been there and she didn't have any real connections. And the one person she was close to, that connection frayed as soon as they got to the mall. So, yeah, I would be really happy to get the frick out of there, too. It also helps, I think, you know, with her postpartum depression. She's outside. She's away from the child. She's got a chance to change her clothes and take care of herself for a little bit. And that can do wonders for your mental mm-hmm. well-being. Mm-hmm. You know, she's off. It's like... Just going out with your friends for a little while, getting out of the house, and suddenly you feel so much better, you know. And um, so, yeah, this just seems like a very normal reaction for her. Yeah, she's finally getting that little bit of respite, you know. She's she's free for a moment. Away from all the burdens she's had to carry since the virus hit. And, well, having been a pregnant teen during the apocalypse. So for that moment, she's finally out there she's finally free to learn who she is as a person now it was very symbolic when she burnt the map i don't know the burning of the map kind of i get why she did it but it kind of annoyed me like i give it to dal for not freaking out about that because you know dal's very much you know we can survive i know how to do this we have a map it's all good and then she like burns it and i'm just like (laughs) 
No, that was, what if we get lost, my friend? Like, come on. But first, he's the one that bothers to show up with a map. Yeah. That's true. It wasn't Dell's map in the first place. Good he point. didn't need one. Help. I didn't know we'd lost touch, Dell and me. In the first few months, we were like brother and sister. He pulled me through so many times. He didn't want to come here, but I made him. And now he's gone, and I'm going to miss him. I know. He didn't say goodbye. Didn't even leave a note. Thought I was so clever. You and me both. Let's move to, on to the heart-to-heart -heart within the mall. Um, as the rest of the tribe wake up to the news that Dao and Trudy have left, um, Amber is upset that Dao didn't even leave her a note, and she decides to confide in Bray, admitting that she didn't realise that the two of them had grown so far apart. Bray in turn confesses that she, he was relieved to tell her that Trudy had gone, but that he isn't proud of himself for it. Um, so yeah, quite a few questions there. Um, what do the panel think of the pair's sudden heart-to-heart? -heart? Um, what do you think of what they shared and the interaction with each other? For me personally, this is the first Bramber moment that I really enjoy. Like, this feels so sincere with these two people just being honest about their situations and how they feel about it and accepting each other for who they are. Amber's not holding Bray up to some ideal right now. She's not even looking at him as a love interest. They're not looking at each other like that at all. They're just mm -hmm. two people who are feeling a certain way and taking a moment to trust someone with those feelings. And for me, that's where the connection really forms. Like, this is a sincere connection. And I'm like, oh, look at this. You know, you guys actually have something in common and some, like, level ground. And you're seeing each other for who you are, where neither of you are perfect. Both of you are flawed human beings who could have done things better. So I, I like that a lot. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. I actually like this Bramber moment. Even with my dislike of Bramber in general, this moment I actually like. Because it's just not about love for once. And Bray's relief is written all over his face. No, he, he looks guilty, he feels guilty that he's relieved, but it's like a lot of stress has dropped from his shoulders from not having to look after Trudy anymore. I like when Amber breaks because I've had that moment where I thought I was a better friend than I actually was. And then reality like hit me in the face. And I was like, wow, I really wasn't that good of a friend. And I missed this whole thing that was happening. Mm -hmm. And this person that I thought I was really important to, like they left. They didn't even say goodbye to me. That's how crappy of a friend I've been to them. That they just, they didn't have any problem leaving me behind. And like, ah. You know, and you're kind of like looking at yourself. And yeah. I really love that moment of honesty for Amber because for all of her, you know, she's really good at the things she's good at. But there are things where she falls short. And here's a moment where she's having to look at that, where she took this friendship for granted, this person that she had in her life from before the virus, the last like glimpse of normalcy. And she took it for granted and she wasn't paying attention to what was going on with him. And then he just left and she's just like, ah, oh, how did I mess that up? You know? And yeah, I, I really, I love this moment. This is, if I was a Bramber for me, this would be my, my moment. Like, oh, this is the, mo this is it. This is when I feel like these two have, you know, compatibility and potential to be something more. I love it. What a pair, she says. <laughs> I, I did like this moment because um, I've never bought into the Amber Dow friendship. So I'm glad it got presented in this way. 
also Bray, this whole time, Amber hasn't really been willing to listen to Bray and what the situation is between him and Trudy because she's let her own personal feelings get in the way. So this is the first time she's actually listening when Bray says, there is nothing going on between Trudy and I. It's not like that with us. And she's willing to actually listen to him and not judge him and make assumptions about that relationship. So he's able to tell her, we aren't like that. That's not what we're about. And I'm glad she's gone because it's exhausting having her in my life and I can't do anything right. And I feel like a tool for being happy she's gone, but there it is. And for the first time, Amber isn't judging him for not being perfect. She's just like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I'm not that sad she's gone either. I feel you. you know? and, and let's not forget, Bray was the only other person besides her willing to go outside and look for them. I thought that was interesting that it wasn't until they realized Dal was gone that suddenly there was a yeah. scramble to get up and go look for someone. Because Dal has... Gone. Dal brings something to the table. Like, yeah. he's the... He's the guy who has the parents who wilderness trained him or whatever. But that's a realistic reaction. I mean, up to this yeah. point... Again, I love Trudy, but up until this point, she has not been a likable character for the others to deal with. So, finding out she's gone, it's more just a a sigh of resignation from all of them like oh mm -hmm. okay and they're just like oh she left brady well that's not much different because we've been yeah. taking care of brady anyway but now it's a permanent situation and they're all very quick to just it's not that big of a deal that trudy left for many of them it's just like oh it's one less headache but yeah. the reality that she left her kid you're like okay well you know well we've been taking care of this kid anyway so um, yeah. But as, as soon as Jack's like, Dal wasn't with me, and then they realize Dal was supposed to be on guard duty, and there's only one explanation for why he's not here, and why he didn't sound the alarm about Trudy leaving, and then there's this mad scramble from both Amber and Bray to go find them. <laughs> yeah. And I always felt like the awkward, like, oh, you weren't going to look for me, but you're going to look for Dal conversation. <laughs> I wish that would have been. That would have been fun. Thanks, Bray. Even Bray was like, we got to go find them only after he found yeah. out Dal was gone too. Like, Dal's useful. We need him. This is a problem. Yeah. And which was very interesting. And, uh, but I also like yeah. the tribe's reaction to like, why? <laughs> right. <laughs> why should we? And Lex brings up some very valid points, even though, granted, the only reason Lex doesn't want to look for him is because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like <laughs> Trudy. And what's the point? But he does bring up a good point. Like, where are you going to look, Bray? Yeah. <laughs> you got any great ideas, buddy? Like, where do you think they went? And yet no one consulted Tyson's magic ball. Because Tyson doesn't care either. No. Yeah, I did find the reactions to everybody to be very realistic and even still, you know, fueled by personal feelings. Again, you have Celine, who's just disgusted, you know, because... And relieved. You know, in her eyes, this is the worst thing any mother could do. And, but that's not a surprise. We already know that's how Celine feels. And then, you know. But Celine's relieved as well. Yeah, she gets to I take mean, care of the baby. Oh, yeah, she's definitely. Because it's just one last Okay, I don't have to deal with that anymore. And she also doesn't have to look at that guilt anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not, at this point, it isn't actually about Bray because about she, Bray. Can't, she can't bear to look at Bray right now. Uh, and I do believe her feelings for Brady are completely genuine. Mm -hmm. You know, she can finally give this child the care she deserves. 
the care she should have always gotten, you know, because Brady's early days could be very traumatizing, you know, emotionally for a child and cause all kinds of attachment disorders and on and on and on. But, uh, and then Jack, Jack's face when he realizes that Dal is gone and he's not going to come in and help him fix something. He, his brain kind of fries on that. He doesn't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. It's so sweet to see, though. He looks so lost for a moment without him. He lost his buddy, the only person who really cared. The only one who understands him. Yeah. And the only person who can help him bring his projects to fruition. Mm-hmm. And that would also mean admitting he can't do it without Dal. Mm-hmm. Because when they have to decide what the plan is, when everyone decides, no, we're not going to go look for them. And, you know, Amber resignedly says, okay, fine. Celine, can you take care of the baby? Jack, can you work on the turbine by yourself? You know, Jack's reaction is, uh, yeah, sure. Even though you can tell he doesn't know where to begin. He was looking for Dal to help him. And now he's, and he's going to start digging himself a new hole. This is the very start of it. I can totally handle it. Totally. I don't need anybody's help. I'm fine. It's fine. <laughs> I did like Tysan's reaction to it, though, about Judy following. She'd be allowed to follow her own path. And then Amber just going, what? So we should have let her die. And Tysan being the only one who thinks, well, if that was what she wanted, you know? Yeah, it is an interesting answer. Uh, it, it really is Amber coming up against her control issues. Because the truth is, what are you guys doing? You can't drag two people who left the mall back. They left of their own volition. They chose to leave. They weren't kidnapped. They didn't get into trouble. They left. Your instinct to immediately try and go get them is wrong. You don't have that right to do that. But they're going to try. Yeah, you don't get to make that choice for them. And you see that Bray accepts that much faster. Like, yeah, that's true, you know, but it's a lot harder for Amber to accept that. No, you can't control this. These people took the control out of your hands. And Amber is just like, I need to go clean something. I'm so upset. I love that that's her upset thing. Like, she doesn't get frustrated. She doesn't cry. She just goes to clean. Yes, dress cleaning. I wish I had that power. Hmm. Oh, yes. One One of Amber's gifts I wish I had. That that is hard when you're someone who rigidly maintains control of everything. And, you know, most of the time it's with good intentions and stuff like that. It is hard when you realize that you can't control something. Like, sometimes it's hard to just let it go. Be like, you don't need to control this and you shouldn't try to control this. Let it go. And yeah, because I'm a control freak. You are? I never would have guessed. (laughs) (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) Did you see my sandwich board? (laughs) So what would you have reincarnated as? I want to be a cat. Absolutely. That is the life for me. Yeah, since we're on the subject of Tyson, um, yeah, uh, uh, do you agree with her view that Trudy should have been basically allowed to die? I don't know. I mean, we're kind of taught from our whole society that we're not supposed to. Like, it's illegal for people to even choose suicide, yeah. like, if they're sick and they're in pain. we It's such a taboo in our society to allow someone to die, even if it's what they want more than anything. And I don't know if it's because we're afraid of how it reflects on ourselves or afraid it's something that would be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so it's a little hard to look at it without that our own societal upbringing influencing our thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. I think you have a point there because I mean where I live 
uh, assisted suicide by doctors is legal. And for me, it seems like a logical opinion for Tyson to have. But it's it's her wish. She wants to die, so let her. And in Trudy's case, it's more complex because of the mental issues. But I, I get where she's coming from. It's like, I, I kind of am with Sabine. Like, if society and tribe world was different and you could go to a doctor and say, you know, I'm having these feelings... I don't want to be here anymore. Like that's, that's a conversation that you have with a doctor. And, you know, I'm also in the United States where you can't go to a doctor and have them assist with suicide. But I think, you know, just our lives would be a little bit different. And I think that's something that should be explored. Um, it's yeah. not they do lightly though. No, but you know, if you are terminal or if yeah. there are reasoning, like good reasons, and then I do believe that that's something that should be able to be done. And I think that's the issue. Tyson's viewpoint, once again, like many or most of her viewpoints, holds no stipulations or responsibility to it. You know, she just says, hey, you know, Trudy wanted to die. You should have let her. You've been obstructing Trudy's path the whole time she's been here. Without acknowledging that Trudy's path has been self-destructive because Trudy has been suffering from mental issues and no should probably not be in charge of making those kind of decisions for herself due to her state of mind and her age you know Trudy is a 15 year old girl you should not be allowing her to decide if she should die you know um it doesn't help either that we see we have evidence that Trudy is able to get better you know and so that child, that young woman, all of that potential, that life would have been snuffed out if we followed Tyson's mandate of just letting people do whatever the frick they want. Brady would have lost her mother, you know, because Trudy comes back and she's a great mother to this child, you know, and they have that and that is irreplaceable. Sure. What did Brady lose out? Maybe two weeks of her mother's care. That is nothing in the scope of a lifetime. So when I look at Tysan's advice, it always comes back down to she takes no actual responsibility for these things that she says. And I can't get on board with the idea of having allowed Trudy to die. If I found her in that room, I would have been like Amber and Bray and all the others trying to save her. And no, I don't believe we were obstructing her path and we should have let her do that because it's like, um, no. <laughs> No, you shouldn't let a mentally ill 15-year-old make that decision. Sorry. <laughs> it's just not okay, Tyson. No, but it, it's more, uh, I get where she's coming from with her ideas, you know? Oh, of course. Tyson has beautiful ideas. But again, they are not well thought out. And she does not think about the gray areas. They're so black and white for her mm -hmm. and free for all. So yes, in certain cases, you should just let people walk the path they're going to walk. But usually we're talking about mature adults who actually can make these decisions for themselves and know what the consequences are and understand mm -hmm. those consequences. Not children. You can't just let children walk any old path they want to because they don't know any better. So yeah, again, Tyson just doesn't think about those things. But as for Trudy leaving them all... Okay, yeah, let her do that. That's fine. That's not deadly. Okay, that's that's okay. See what I mean? Like, it's okay to let Trudy leave them all. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was okay to allow her to kill herself. So that blanket statement from Tyson needs clarification. <laughs> it always, she always has lovely points to open up discussion, though.
And then she just leaves him out there broadsided. And it's like, do you want to go into the details of that? <laughs> no, it's <laughs> like, over. And then she, she never does. She doesn't have bullet points because she actually can't discuss these things in a more specific manner. Because again, she's just regurgitating beliefs that were told to her. Mm-hmm. They sound great. But. Um, let's back up a bit to the beginning of the episode. Um, because I found it a bit interesting how it seemed that Brady had been crying for quite a while and no other member of the tribe went to investigate. Yeah, do you think it was because like the rest of the guys were genuinely worried about what they might actually find by stepping into Trudy's room? Probably. I also think because it's been the routine with Trudy, like it's not unusual for her to have left her baby crying for hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, yeah, they were a little afraid that she'd offed herself for real this time. Um, never actually thought about that. I don't think they were afraid of that, though, because some of them, at least Amber, would have kicked that door down, you know, if she was afraid that that was going to happen again. I think most of the time the kids end up sleeping through Brady's cries, and Celine is one of the few people who is woken, because she lives right next door to Mm -hmm. Brady. But then again, so does Amber, so that's strange. But then again, Amber has never come in in the middle of the night hearing Brady cry. Nope. So I think most of them just end up sleeping through Brady's stuff. And Celine's one of the few people who is very in tuned to Brady. So she always hears Brady crying. She always comes. So if anybody ignored the baby crying, it was Celine last night. And there are a myriad of reasons why she probably <laughs> would have. Um, mm-hmm. If I was Celine, I wouldn't have wanted to go in that room either. You know, and it's like, maybe she did it again. And this time I don't want to know about it and I don't want to have a hand in it. I'm just going to let, I'm just going to stay here. I know, I know nothing. And we'll just see what happens in the morning. Never follow her path. (laughs) Or, or maybe Brady hadn't been crying that long. Maybe it was just like a morning routine. Baby starts crying. You think Trudy's maybe dealing with her. or Maybe you think Trudy's ignoring her. And you know, one of you will eventually go wander and see, like you said, they're used to the routine of Brady crying Mm -hmm. for a while mom ignoring her it's only after a while you say okay i guess i better go check because brady's been crying for 45 minutes straight i better make sure everything's okay but if the baby's only been crying for 20 minutes i'm pretty sure they're used to ignoring it yeah and nobody nobody wants to go in there and deal with trudy she's not been in a good mood (laughs) nobody wants that that's the real issue we don't want to deal with trudy i I do hope that it's chloe that ends up going in though (laughs) right It, it shows up her nurturing care. I mean, she can't help sad animals. She can't resist a baby crying. It's tiny and she needs to help it. Because everyone's gone to breakfast and they're just like, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. I'll eat my breakfast and then I'll go check on Trudy and the crying baby. You know, Celine is deliberately staying away from the room. She don't mm-hmm. want anything to do with it right now. She's dealing with her stuff. And you can tell the look on Amber. She's heard the baby crying, but she's like, I don't want to deal with Trudy right now. So I'm going to wait. I need to just get some sustenance. I got to shore up my defenses before I go deal with that woman and her baby. And Chloe, though, Chloe was like, oh, okay, I'll go do it. No one else is going to. Yeah, but would anyone, well, Trudy might, but I can't see anyone biting off uh, Chloe's head for helping because she is that innocent. I could totally see Trudy doing it. <laughs> in her headspace, she, she, everybody's yeah. fair game to Trudy at this point in time. Like, as far as they know, she will snap at anybody. But I get, you know, Chloe's a fearless little thing, so. Yeah. <laughs> and the last time she did spend time with Trudy, Trudy was nice to her, even though Trudy was sad. So, you know, Chloe doesn't really have a reason to be afraid to go confront 
Trudy right now and see if the baby's okay. Uh, she has reason to believe that Trudy will at least be nice to her. Yeah, and she was afraid last time that little Brady wouldn't have a mommy anymore. That's true. She was very in tune to that. So, and she, I bet Chloe was like, "Why isn't anyone else checking on her?" Yeah, you know, like Not none well. of the other people who would normally check. On if the big people aren't doing it, I'll do it. And the three people who normally would have very personal reasons for not wanting to go deal with that right now. And Sandra is staying as far out of it as possible. She's like, I took care of the baby last time and I didn't even get a thank you. And so right? somebody else's job today. I got other things on my mind. That kid peed on me. <laughs> so no, it, it felt very organic. It didn't feel forced that this is the way it was discovered, considering everything that's been going on and the way everyone would be reacting to that and how everyone would be feeling. It was a very organic setup for Chloe to find the baby in the note. What I did find interesting is that she does go to Amber, tell Amber that Trudy's gone and hands her the note. But then does that mean Chloe could already read? I, I'm pretty sure. She sure. Yeah, she's old. Yeah, yeah, she can read. But they were doing such basic things with her when they were trying to teach her. Much younger to me than she really is. Let's switch to Celine for a moment and the scene at breakfast where she decided not to have any. Um, do you think the reasons behind that were because of the guilt she was feeling um, concerning Trudy? Or do you think it could have been a hint to her bulimia? Um, or yeah, or both? Possible she always had a more unhealthy relationship with food or an emotional relationship with food. A mm -hmm. lot of people grow up that way where food, there's an emotion attached to why they eat and what they eat and on and on. Um, so, um, it's not the first time we see her refuse food whenever she's upset where she literally can't stomach any food. And then her stress takes her where she swings the other way, where she will eat everything she can get into her, her hands. So I think that's a very normal, um, mm -hmm. manifestation of someone with an unhealthy emotional dependence or relationship with food. I think she just wasn't eating because she really did feel sick to her stomach dealing with all of this stuff. Uh, all these thoughts she's having in her head. Is anyone going to find out what she did? Is Bray going to find out? Can she look at Bray? Mm -hmm. um, right now she can't because suddenly he went from being the ideal guy. She would do anything for him. And now she's literally repulsed by him because what she was willing to do to get him. Mm -hmm. And so all of her attraction for him has gone out the window. That's got to be very confusing. Um she has him all to herself and suddenly she doesn't want him anymore. And uh, yeah, there's a lot going on in her head and there's a lot of self-hatred. Um, she's happy that Trudy has left and finally left Brady with someone who's going to care for her. But there's also guilt that she drove, make, like she might be partially responsible for this child losing her mom, you know, mm -hmm. um, even though she's not responsible for that, but I'm sure she feels that way. And so she's got to make it up to Brady by being the best mother ever. Mm -hmm. You know, she holds Brady and she goes, we're going to be fine. We're going to be okay. Like, I'm going to make it up to you. I will make this perfect for you. You won't even miss your mom. You won't even remember her. You'll never know this happened to you because I will be the best mom ever. I have to love that she gets Chloe and Patsy in to help her, though. I think that's very normal. Trudy could have done the same thing if she'd been willing to, like, I don't know, be nice to anybody. 
People were willing to help Trudy, very willing to help her. But Trudy didn't accept the help or she was very mean to the people who were helping her. So they didn't want to. But it, it, I'm pretty sure she would have gotten the same kind of help if Trudy had right. been, like, if her personality yeah. had been more likable. Oh, I didn't mean that it was strange that she got them into it. It was more, uh, I find it funny that she got them into it mainly because Trudy does the same thing much later when she gets back. She ends up with Patsy even being Brady's babysitter for a while. Well, of course, the reasons for that are completely different. But, mm-hmm. um, like, with Celine, she's treating Chloe and Patsy like they have a new member of their family. This is your baby sister, and we all have to work together to take mm-hmm. care of her and welcome her into the family. Because she sees Chloe and Patsy as her, her children as well. And this is how you would do it, you know, when you have more kids. This is how you, you get them involved in the baby's care. And she's your baby too, you know. And that's mm-hmm. just that that desperate need to create mm-hmm. that family unit around you. It's very important to Celine. And it distracts Patsy and Chloe from being worried about uh, Brady. Is Brady going to be okay now that her mom left? And here's Celine reassuring her. She's going to be fine, sweetheart, you know. Um we will make it up to her, and she'll never know she's missing anything. You can give me some advice on these perfumes while you're at it. Sniff that. Nights of Passion. What do you think? Very nice. Now this. Forever. And now try this. Come on, Ryan, I'm getting a crick. Bliss. Which one do you like best? I'm not sure. Neither am I. Would it help smell again? Yes. Okay. By the way, those trousers definitely suit you. Come on, we'll start with Bliss this time. Let's flip gears a little bit and talk about Ryan's obvious distress. <laughs> In a light-hearted scene, uh, he tries to cheer up Zandra with a pair of mismatched earrings and he's left in a rather awkward situation when he's forced to try on a new pair of jeans right in front of his crush. Um, yeah, what do you think about <laughs> Ryan's little scene there? <laughs> it's so cute. It's so cute. I love that dude. Yeah, it's very sweet. This awkward is all kinds of Ryan this episode. It's a very awkward episode for him. And I love Sandra's response to that, with him being the first guy she knows that isn't eager to drop his trousers around her. (laughs) (laughs) Makes for a nice change. Yeah. I think it's just his face that gets me. He's just so in such distress at having to change in front of her. (laughs) And she's just like, yeah, can you smell this? Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) She's like totally comfortable with it. And he's like, no. (laughs) <laughs> and yet he still remains a perfect gentleman like it never you can tell it never crosses ryan's mind that he could take advantage of this situation like all he's thinking is i gotta get the pants back on like <laughs> yeah you know, i'm not gonna try and use this to... so there's something so sweet about that innocence and that he genuinely just wants to be a good friend he really does love zandra and what she wants matters to him and he would do anything to make her happy and it's quite adorable, you know. That friendship is very sweet. You wish he didn't have these unrequited feelings, but it's very sweet and innocent. A little lighthearted frothiness necessary in the episode. Mm-hmm. But there's also something kind of sad about it because, well, not sad, but I guess it's a contrast, you know, um, because Ryan is 
constantly trying to suss out whether or not he can make a move on Zandra. He won't do it if she and Lex are on the path of what they're doing. If if Lex is like, she's my girl, I'm going to try, you stay away from her, Ryan will stay away from Zandra. But then, you know, so one day Lex tells him, you know, I'm not finished with Zandra, you stay away from her, don't get any ideas about her. So Ryan's like, okay, that's off the table. And then the next day he's like, Zandra and I are kaput. Like, there's nothing going on between us. I don't care. You can date her. You can marry yourself. And Ryan's confusion, is Zandra available to him or not? You know, because um, he, he starts this episode just trying to suss out the Lex and Zandra mm-hmm. situation. Like, so I'm still your best man. You guys are getting married, all that stuff. And and Lex basically says, not going to happen. And Ryan's like, for reals? Okay, so she's free. I can, okay, I did see you sleep with Tyson, so I guess that means... So, you know, he's going to get Zandra a gift. He's going to try and woo her. <laughs> Very confusing for Ryan. Very confusing, this poor guy. It's so sweet, though. He tries so hard. He does. Even with the mismatched earrings. Knowing that he loves earrings, so he better find her a pair. I love the conversation. He's so honest with her when he tells her that Lex says I'll never get a woman because I don't understand them. And, you know, I don't take care of myself and my feet stink. <laughs> And Hosanja's just like, oh, sweetie, the feet are a drawback, but you just smarten yourself off of it. And it's it's so yeah. sweet. I love that moment between the two of them, that honesty between Ryan mm-hmm. and Sandra and um, mm-hmm. how he never pushes himself on her. He never pulls that nice guy entitlement act. Nope. Like, I'm your friend and I'm nice and I'm good to you. So I deserve your love. I deserve this relationship. Ryan never pulls that ever. He never treats Zandra like she owes him anything just because he's in love with her. And uh, he never resents her because she doesn't return those feelings. And so she's, she's able to be completely comfortable with him because he's never trying to manipulate her <laughs> into being with him. And so they're very sincere and sweet moments, the two of them. You just smarten yourself up a bit. You need a little help. I'll help you. Let me help you out. <laughs> Let me help you get a woman, right? <laughs> you gotta dress better, for one. <laughs> Ryan, these are the earrings you gave me. He must have been in everywhere. I needed them for food. I'm starving. You could have asked. And yet had given me some. We may have. Be the first I've met. What's your name? KC. Well, KC. We don't like thieves no more. That must have been the bad feeling I felt. What should we do with him? Cut his hand off. Jack! Put him in the cage. Throw him out. And give him a good hiding. Okay, hang on! How'd you like to join our tribe? Uh-huh. We've got plenty of room now Dal and Trudy have gone. And Paul. And the kid's good. Like he did over all our rooms, nobody noticing except for me. We need somebody with guts. We've got enough wimps in here. How about a KC? You want to join us? Amber? Yeah, that'd be cool. So with the absence of Paul and now Trudy and Dow, that leaves a vacant slot within the mall. Um, a spot that's quickly about to be taken by the new character, KC. Um, Lex soon discovers him, stealing, and he hauls him in front of the rest of the tribe. Uh, Jack's immediate reaction is, as you can expect, cut off his hand. <laughs> um, but Lex is impressed with his skills and invites him to join the tribe. Uh, let's stick with that first of all. I, was Lex's sudden suggestion surprising? So here's KC, who's like, oh, this is this is perfect. I can mold this person. I can use this person. 
You know, I can screw over this person if I want to. I can influence this person. You know, they're too young to know any better. Because I was like, Lex, when Bray came and th stole from you guys, you didn't like Bray on site. He hadn't done anything to deserve it. And then he stole from you and you held it against him as if it was the worst thing in the world. Tysan showed up. You immediately didn't like her for no reason. But yet someone actually breaks into your mall and is stealing from you. And your chief of security reaction is to let them join. Come on, Lex. Hey, if he can sneak past everyone there. Who knows what the kid's capable of? He's useful. Did it surprise you about everyone's vote? <laughs> um, it should have, but at the same time, I think some of these kids are so mentally, emotionally worn down right now. Look at the way Amber agrees to letting Casey join. That is resignation. Like, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> fine. You want, do you want to stay? you want to join us, Casey? I don't really care right now. I can't. I've been trying to control everything and everything's been falling apart and my best friend just left. So maybe I should just do what Tyson says and let it go. <laughs> go ahead. You want to join us? Fine. Maybe we need a master thief. Who knows? Maybe this is the path that we're supposed to go on. So you could tell yeah. some of them are just like, whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think it was like an opportune time for Casey to show up because they're trying to deal with, you know, Trudy and everything. And they're just like, whatever. We have bigger fish to fry. Just stay out of our hair. Like, I did find it fascinating that Bray bristles against Casey so immediately. Um, it, I've never seen him bristle. I mean, it's one thing with Lex because he and Lex immediately, you know, Lex kind of starts it. So it yeah. makes sense that they bristle against each other. They're the same age. They're peers. They're sussing each other out. But for Bray to react this way to a child. <laughs> I just <laughs> always thought it was because it was Lex bringing it up. Maybe, maybe so. Like, maybe Lex in him. Yeah, it's like okay. So now you have a, another person. You know, I things can get moved because there's two of you now instead of one. But it felt so personal with KC though. He's able to hold his cool with Lex unless Lex pushes him. Like Lex has to actively yeah. push Bray before he, you know, feels like he wants to punch him. But most of the time, he's able to keep his head around Lex and most of the time he doesn't want to think about Lex at all but you'll notice as time goes on he cannot control himself around Casey Casey triggers Bray I want to know why what it is about this kid who does he remind him of he hates Casey he hates him on site and it never really goes away <laughs> he always wants to take Casey and throttle him that is Lex's I mean that's Ray's first instinct like, he will get physical with Casey, where he would resist hitting Lex. It's very yeah. interesting. I'm like, what is it about this kid that you hate so much before he's even really done anything? Yeah, he looks like he could have been a little loco. But still, he's a child. You'd think yeah. someone in his position would recognize, well, he's a kid just trying to survive. Of course he's going to steal where he can. That doesn't mean he's malicious. That doesn't mean he's a bad person. But Bray immediately is like, I hate this kid. Like, did you guys encounter on the street once? <laughs> did he put rocks in your shoe, Bray? Like, seriously. Why do you hate this kid so much? <laughs> You, as time goes on, Bray will always kind of smile when bad things happen to Casey. Um, he, he never grows to really like Casey. There's always going to be, 
it's an interesting rivalry nobody talks about. <laughs> and it's an unfair one because Casey is a child and he has this older kid who is very antagonistic and clearly doesn't like him. And how that must feel if you're like nine or ten years old and you're all you've got is bluster on your side. Like, what do you, why do you hate me, dude? I'm the kid. You're supposed to be the mature one. I mean, there is that whole water situation, but yeah. <laughs> this is long before the water, though. You know what I mean? If that's yeah. how it's, their relationship started, I'd get it. But this is how their relationship starts. And Bray hates Casey on sight. And he hates him way more than he hates other characters who deserve it more. That's all I'm just saying. I just find it going to be interesting watching this relationship unfold where Bray has less patience for Casey than he does for Lex. And that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Lex has done way more terrible things than Casey could ever dream of. And like Bray acts like he wants to kill Casey on sight most of the time. But Lex, he's willing to work with. Like, I don't get it. We'll see that with someone else in the next season as well, though. I think Casey remember, reminds Bray of a childhood friend that he just despised. <laughs> Gotta be. Some hated cousin in the family or something. And Oliver. Yeah. Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. That's who Casey reminds Bray of. Jack suggesting they cut off Casey's hair. I love it. (laughs) What a mood he is in. I love that already very early we're seeing this like dark side of Jack that's going to come back later and much, much later. But, you know, you're... When the things happen in season five and you're like, why is Jack thinking this way? Wait, it's always been there, friends. Like, yeah. this is not a new thing with Jack. I mean, come on. He suggested they kill Ebony. Like, so I, If someone steals from you, you cut off their hand. That's how they did not, it in the, in the old times. But this is the first time when Jack suggests it with malicious intent. Yeah. All the other times Jack has suggested something that is morally questionable he, there's no anger in him when he's done it it's just sort of like this might be something we have to do and here's a way to do it yeah but with casey he is clearly pissed that casey <laughs> broke into the mall and stole from them and got his beloved batteries he is so mad <laughs> he's mad there is no to cut off Casey's hand all you do is kick him out but that's the first thing Jack's like cut off his hand yeah because yes. that's what you do with thieves you'll never steal from anyone again I love it though it makes me smile I also picture Jack as like the kid who played a lot of video games and didn't get all like didn't get out much so when stuff comes up he throws out like the most far-fetched thing just to get the reaction like, oh, we've caught a thief. What thief? What should we do? Ah, cut off his hands. Like, just, why not? That's, that's the thing we should do. <laughs> it's a Tuesday. Let's string him up and by his knees. <laughs> we'll be fun. I saw it in a video game once. Okay, is it just me? Or does <laughs> Casey look like he is trying not to laugh in every single Every scene. <laughs> every scene. Always. His, his scared face, I'm like... How hard are you trying not to crack up right now? What is I, happening? And I love Ari, and but he was so young, and like it, it cracks me up because that's that's just how it is. Like I think looking at the cast ages, me and him are the closest 
So, like, you know, when you put yourself in the show, like, that's what I would look like, kind of. But, yeah, I just noticed that with him for the next several episodes, every time Casey looks scared or concerned, he actually looks like he's trying not to laugh. <laughs> now, it's probably just because of his face. He's got a very cherubic face. So, um, you know, he dimples up and it tends to look like a smile, even if he's not smiling. So, yeah, every time Casey's going to look distraught, it'll look like he's just trying not to laugh at you, which would infuriate me. <laughs> I was it's him. So Are you laughing at me? No, no, really. I'm scared. I'm, you're totally threatening me. You're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> I love him so much. I do like his introduction. I thought it was one of the more uh, creative yeah. introductions. Uh, no, I like his look. I love that that bomber that hat and oh, the hat and the, with the eyes. I love that there's eyes on the front of the hat. I want one. He really does look like you could. He's he's been surviving in this world and he's been doing okay for himself. And um, he makes me think like he was a street kid already before the virus hit. I'm um, sure. He was putting rocks in Bray's shoes because he was a street kid and a thug. <laughs> Stealing a skateboard. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Did see us now. Trudy, what are you doing? I don't want to spend my life running away, Dad. This is the safest looking place I've ever seen. Here goes. Hello, strangers. Oh, we don't have much, but what we do have, you're welcome to share. So our final thoughts of the episode, um, where we see Trudy and Dow come across a strange tribe along the river. Um, yeah, what were your first impressions? It's the first time we actually see peaceful people in this world, aside from our moms. Honestly, my first impression of the nomads, I straight just thought they were the kids of a commune. Yeah. From before the virus. Like, the way they talked, they struck me as they hadn't actually been out in society before the virus. So maybe that was why they had such stilted speech and they weren't used to seeing other people. And obviously that's what would happen. These communes where people live and live away from everyone. The, the adults would still die from the virus and the kids would try to carry on the best they could. So I thought that's probably what these guys had come across. These were just, you know, children from the hills just chilling. And they were like, oh, wow, city dwellers. <laughs> Even, you know, the way they dressed, everything's very homespun, you know. Mm -hmm. um, All the homeschooled kids together. Yeah, you know, like there's probably some dark secrets in there. But for the most part, I thought they were pretty harmless to and Dal. I did think there was more to them than this beautiful uh, facade they were putting out as being so loving and caring and sharing and everything like that because most of those communes do have a darker side. I didn't think it was going to go where it went. I was really impressed with that but um, mm -hmm. don't, you dare, don't you dare hell. <laughs> it, they're a commune who ate people. Jeez. Took a bite. Um, I did have a, here's my, my thought, but I, I don't know like, how true it was. I, I always kind of thought that Troy was like directed specifically in that way. Cause like when you're kind of approaching a skittish horse, kind of cause like, cause the horse okay. training oh, okay. made to kind of act in that way, but I'm not sure how like true that is, but that's the Maybe. impression I got. 
I can't be the only person who thought these people were cannibals, though. <laughs> I'm just saying. Not in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until the silly kid okay, with that doll hands for on his hat. Oh, Sasha? Sasha's a creeper, man. Another reason that Troy and... Uh, it's is it Diana or Joanna? She's I think it's Joanna. Susanna. Um the, I think another reason that uh they seem off is because they're per, they're faking. They're per, putting on a performance for Dallin Treaty. Because when their true colors come out, they seem far more natural. Mm-hmm. Like this is who they truly are. But with them pretending to be so very welcoming and this is what we stand for, it feels very off. Like something is not quite right. Like you just stepped into the Truman show. And you're like, who are you talking to? Are you talking to me or are you advertising to somebody else? Because it doesn't feel like you're talking to me. Um, But when they're talking for real about how they feel, then they seem very natural. So maybe it's just because they were faking and putting on a performance to lure, you know, these two travelers into a false sense of security. You know, like Velociraptors. Or (laughs) Canada. I I assumed they were religious nuts before we saw religious nuts on this show yeah falls in with the commune yeah a cult or something maybe a harmless one you know but yeah that's just where my brain went they definitely weren't from society the happy shiny people was disturbing like part Mm -hmm. of me wanted to believe that it's possible yeah they just they're not living in the city they're away from it and but it's too much of a dream come true for Dal. like Mm -hmm. this is exactly how he imagined it would be living out in the country that I'm like, something can't be right about this. You know, there's going to be a darker side to this. But I did think it was interesting how proactive Trudy is about this. Because again, (laughs) yeah, like she's finally taking on choices for herself, finding the freedom of that autonomy. Mm -hmm. So she's the one who's just like, I'm sick of running. I'm sick of being scared. That is one of the most truthful statements Trudy ever makes. I am tired of being, I've never felt safe anywhere and I'm sick of it. And just stomping out there to face whatever might be there, you know. And again, this is all part of Trudy's journey into stepping into her own Mm -hmm. shoes and owning who she is so that she can actually go back and take on her daughter. She has to own herself first. So I thought that was really cool. This whole thing is about her discovering her autonomy. This whole episode's about, you know, making some choices for herself rather than having everything forced upon her. Even, you know, burning the map and everything. Just She's so used to everyone else telling her what's going to happen to her and what she needs to be doing. And, you know, Dal's willing to collaborate with her. He wants to know her opinion and what she thinks. And it's forcing her to decide for herself how she wants to live, where she wants to go, what she wants to do. And it's a healthy thing for her to be going through right now. Yeah, she's finally following her own path. It's kind of like when you try to force someone to do something, it's much better to help them see why it would be the best thing for them or allow them to come to that decision on their own. I mean, we do it as parents all the time. You have to do it with kids. Either you use reverse psychology or whatever. It's easier to allow the child to come to that conclusion on their own rather than just force it on them. (laughs) And then, of course, Tyson and Lex's chakra. Boy, he went one night without getting any and he was a total pain all over again. Funny. That's really I mean, funny to me. Isn't that kind of like life? It was one night, and you've gone so much longer without getting any. It was, it was quite sad that it was. It was only directed at Ryan for the whole episode. It was no one else got it really. It was just Ryan. It's mainly because nobody else went near him because they knew. 
<laughs> like Ryan's usually in his space and Ryan's willing to put up with him. But Zandra stayed away from him in this episode for some reason. And no one else had the energy to even engage him in conversation. So Ryan was the only person he could start anything with. I also <laughs> think it's because Ryan's always a safe target. Yeah. You know, Ryan takes it and there's very little consequence if he starts picking on Ryan. But even Ryan today was just like, dude, watch yourself. You won't have any friends left. I was proud of Ryan for doing that. It's a very important statement. Yeah. It's a reminder to Lex that Ryan chooses to be his friend. He doesn't need Lex. Lex, he doesn't owe Lex anything. He chooses to stick around because he cares about him. But even he has a line in the sand, you know? And he's also pointing out to Lex, this is why you don't have any friends, Lex. Which is very personal because Lex doesn't have any friends. And uh, which may have also encouraged his decision in deciding to take on Casey. He doesn't have any allies, really, you know? And he tends to burn bridges with people. So why not grab another, a new ally? And Tyson being like, oh, someone needs another dose. <laughs> Sorry. And she's digging at him all day. Yeah. That's what's funny. Like, she's trying other ways to engage him. Like, she's watching him run up and down the stairs, and she's suggesting other things. And he's like, no thanks. If it's not sex, I don't want it. <laughs> you know, she teases him about being a hamster in the next life. Like, she's kind of dogging on him all day. I, well, that, I mean, and, yeah. And I'm sure that that's making him just crazy anyways. And then she just shows up unannounced. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my quote for the episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. The way he delivers yeah. it in the context, it's just, it's so naughty and funny. I love it. Yeah. Like, that's sacrilege. <laughs> I love it so much. There's no discussion. You know, she doesn't have to say why she's there. She just shows up in her pajamas and, he knows. and he's in bed. Yeah. I still yeah. like Lex, or not Lex's <laughs> line, Jack's line about the hands cutting off. Casey's hands. There are some good lines in this, you know. Mm-hmm. We're gonna start a new world. We don't need a map of the old one. It's a really good transitional episode. A lot of changes, both physically and emotionally, for characters. It's a very important episode, I think, um, character-wise, and where these people are gonna go and how they're going to evolve as they continue. Thank you once again to the panel, Liz, Hill and Sabine, and we'll see you next time for episode 24. So until then, bye.